to Sports Crunch with Crime. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and at the end of tonight, it's hard to believe there will only be three weeks remaining in the 2016 NFL season and a wide-open race towards Super Bowl 51 just got even more wide open after the New York Giants put a snap to the Dallas Cowboys' 11-game winning streak last night. Thus, there are more, way more, I should say, uncertainties than certainties when it comes to the current playoff picture. And to help us sort it all out, we are pleased to welcome back a tremendous friend of the program, Chris Trapasso. Chris is the editor-in-chief of the SB Nation Buffalo Bills fan page, buffalorumblings.com, and is also the NFL.com homepage editor. And that's not all. Chris also contributed to CBSSports.com and FoxSports.com. And thus, with a resume like that, you see why he knows his football, and it is an extreme pleasure to welcome Chris back to the show. What's up, Chris? How you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, Dave. Thanks for having me on again. You're very welcome, Chris. It's always a pleasure talking football with you. And now let's uh, um, proceed with our conversation, starting with what I alluded to in the intro, last night's Giants-Cowboys game. It was apparent last night that Dak Prescott got exposed somewhat as he struggled mightily in the uh Cowboys 10 to 7 loss at MetLife Stadium last night. And uh, I was wondering, uh, you know your X's and O's very well. Um, the first part of this question is what do you think specifically went wrong for Dak Prescott last night? Well, I think first and foremost, um, and we really haven't seen this um, for Dak Prescott really at all this season. Um, although the Giants, you know, weren't sacking him six, seven times, they were at least pressuring him. And I think we've seen, even with a rookie quarterback who obviously wasn't coming into the league as the number one overall pick or even a first-round pick or second-round pick, um, when a pretty talented rookie quarterback can just sit back there two, three, four, five seconds, and not only on a play-by-play basis, but just every game, every drop back, um, Dak Prescott wasn't even having to worry about the pass rush. He was, I mean, when you think about it, he wasn't even ever really dropping his eyes to see if there was any, you know, defensive tackles, any outside rushers getting to him. Last night, Olivier Vernon certainly was not tremendous in the game. I mean, anyone going up against Tyron Smith is going to have a, um, a lot of problems. But just that that entire Giants defensive line, which they certainly spent a lot of money on, um, but I still think it's a pretty underrated group. Um they were able to kind of get in his head and even, and then even on plays in the second half um, when the Cowboys um, offense really struggled, there were plays where he, you know, really wasn't getting pressured, but th- there looked like there could have been pressure and that was forcing him to get rid of the ball uh, before he wanted to, to be a little bit more inaccurate than we've seen. So I think there is a, a, a deep seated kind of mindset that can go into any quarterback, whether he's a rookie or not, that if he, when he's catching that ball from the snap in the shotgun or um, obviously if he's under center and dropping back, if he's not having to worry really at all about the pass rush, they can scan the field. They can identify what coverages they are, where to go. Um, if you're getting the ball out on the first read or you got to go to the second or third read. So I think just getting to Dak Prescott early and the fact that they were able to pretty much contained Zeke Elliott. His longest run um, was only 15 yards last night. So they weren't getting in a lot of third and ones, third and twos, third and threes. Um, I think that kind of is the the blueprint because I think at Mississippi State, when you watch his film, and I certainly watched a lot of him um, last draft season, Prescott, when he 
was under pressure, that's when the accuracy at all levels, short, intermediate, and deep, was just not there. When when he was given time and and he gradually got better as a passer in college, when he was given time, he was actually pretty good. And that's why you saw, you know, two years ago, Mississippi State was one of the best teams in the country, and Dak Prescott was kind of, you know, there was some hype for him going into his senior season um, to potentially be a Heisman candidate, and you saw a lot of um, – NFL caliber guys leave that uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs team, so they weren't as good in his senior year. But I think we we saw in college that when when he gets pressured, he's not obviously as good as most rookie quarterbacks uh, wouldn't be. And we saw that kind of last night that that the Giants and they've they've done it with you know against Tom Brady in the past in the Super Bowl um, that they were able to get pressure with their front four, and that was kind of enough to just even from the mental side of it get kind of Dak Prescott off his you know he's just been in such a rhythm for so long. And he was really not in rhythm last night at all. Oh, oh uh, that's a perfect analysis, Chris. And uh, I, uh, I wholeheartedly agree with uh, everything uh, you said uh, about Dak Prescott because a lot of, like, I'm a Broncos fan, for instance, and a lot of people, after two um, uh, below average at best uh, starts from Paxton Lynch, Broncos fans are already calling the guy a bust, but I'm saying and that we should have drafted Dak Prescott. But I said, wait a second, wait a second. If we had Dak Prescott, I don't think he would be as successful with us this year as he has been with the Cowboys because of that Cowboys offensive line. Uh, do you agree with my sentiment that if Prescott wound up on a team with a bad offensive line like the Broncos or the Colts or um, uh, or any team with a below average best offensive line, uh, he wouldn't have been as good as he's playing uh, so far this year. Agree? For sure. And I think um, what when we've seen a lot of rookie quarterbacks struggle or guys even going into their second year, a lot of it has to do with um, when they're trying to and when they're trying to to learn how to read uh, really well designed or well disguised coverages, just get used to the speed of the game, the linebackers, the secondary members. If they're having to worry about the pass rush and the first thing that's in their head is, am I going to get hit on this play or where's the pressure going to come from? That's when we've seen rookie quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, not really develop into those solid starters. But Dak Prescott right away. He was not having to worry a thing about any kind of pressure, and last night he did, and we saw that accuracy and those some of those decisions just were not as good as they've been over the you know last two or three months. Most definitely, and it does get easier for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys next week. And yes, they go back to Jerry World, but they face the red-hot Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who have been surprisingly been carried by their defense, Gerald McCoy. Um, uh, turning in another Pro Bowl caliber season, and but only this time he has a partner with him in that front four to rush the passer in rookie uh, Noah Spence. And uh, with the way that, and so you can see the Cowboys uh, will have their work cut out for them next week with another uh, quality defensive front. And uh, if Dak Prescott struggles mightily again next week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, do you think the Dallas Cowboys should consider going back to Tony Romo as the starting quarterback? Well, yeah, that is certainly the the hottest question in the NFL today. I think the fact that, the, that they did go on an 11-game winning streak, and certainly Dak Prescott was not the sole reason for that, and it's it's it sounds cliche, we've heard it a lot, but a lot has to go into that offensive line, or a lot of credit has to be given to that offensive line. Um, and certainly Ezekiel Elliott, the overachieving defense. I mean, this is not a defense that has a ton of stars on it, but they played pretty well. They haven't been on the field a lot because the Cowboys have just really 
eaten a ton of clock um, over their 11 game winning streak. Um, but I think the fact that, 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 that everyone signed off on it, Jerry Jones, Jason Garrett, the entire Cowboys organization signed off on um, Tony Romo being the backup, Dak Prescott um, being the starter. I think they need to ride Dak Prescott. I think it would take one or, or two or three really bad performances and probably in Dallas losses um, for the Cowboys uh, to even consider Tony Romo. It would be really weird if they end up 13 and three, 12 and four, even either get home field advantage or they're, or they're in the uh, second seed in the NFC. And then they start Tony Romo for the playoffs. I think they had a decision there in the middle of the season when Tony Romo was healthy. Do we want to bring this guy back? Who's been so good for us for a decade. And they decided not to do that, which I, which I thought was, was fine. I mean, certainly I was not of the belief that, you know, Dak Prescott deserved to be in the MVP race or anything like that. I mean, Maybe in the race, but not as the front runner for the MVP. So I think when, but when they made that decision um, to stick with Prescott, I think that's what they need to do, and it it will take more than just a uh, poor performance against Tampa Bay uh, for the Cowboys to maybe start to consider Tony Romo for the final you know few games or you know even in the playoffs. That will definitely be an interesting development uh, to watch going forward. And now let's uh, move on to the game tonight at uh, Gillette Stadium at the Razor in Foxborough between the Baltimore Ravens, who currently occupy, uh, actually, no, they're uh, a half game behind the Pittsburgh Steelers for first place in the AFC North, but a win tonight, they reclaim first place because of the season series. They they won the, the only sole matchup this year so far against the Steelers, and they don't meet again until um, uh, Christmas, uh, Christmas Day. And... Uh, and the New England Patriots, on the other hand, yes, they got Tom Brady. Yes, they got Bill Belichick, all the history and the rings they won together. But they're hurting a lot with Rob Gronkowski out for the year and uh, and a defense that that isn't as scary as it has been in the past uh, several years. So what I want to know from you is, Chris, um, what are you going to specifically look for in tonight's game? Uh, like what? Uh, factors or matchups do you think is going to decide the game, the outcome of tonight's crucial uh, game that's going to determine the playoff picture big time in the AFC? First and foremost, and we were kind of talking about it with Dak Prescott and being under pressure and the offensive line, um, the Baltimore Ravens defensive front against the Patriots offensive line. This is not the Patriots offensive line of the mid 2000s or even the last couple of years um, that, you know, obviously had some times where it, it wasn't great, but over the last, I mean, especially last season, it uh, that group really gelled and kept Tom Brady relatively clean. Um, but it's certainly not a bad offensive line. But the Ravens' defensive front, very underrated. I, I'll even admit myself, I did not think that the Ravens were going to be this good up front, especially getting into December, into late December, um, just because of their, their age. Terrell Suggs is in his mid-30s. So is Elvis Dumerville. Um, Brandon Williams is a top five to top three nose tackle. Really wide, really strong, powerful. Um, they just are really good up front. And if you leave Tom Brady back there and let him scan the field, I don't care what defense it is. I don't care if it's the Seahawks in their prime. We saw him have a really, really good Super Bowl against that awesome Seahawks defense. Um if you cannot pressure him, then you're then he's going to shred any uh, secondary. If you can get him kind of under that same mindset that I was talking about with Dak Prescott 
a few minutes ago that he's a little bit worried every time he catches the ball. Is he going to, you know, where's the pressure going to come from? I got to elude um, a guy up the middle or I got to elude Elvis Dumerville off the edge. Um, then I'm not saying that he's going to totally implode in those situations, but he obviously won't be as good. Um, and more to the Ravens defensive um, front, they are first in the NFL only um, allowing 3.4 yards per rush. So we've seen a lot of games later in the season over the last couple of years that the Patriots have actually really leaned on their running game. LeGarrette Blunt, um, a lot of their scat backs have just really worn down defenses. Are the Patriots going to be able to do that tonight against the league's top rush defense? I'm not really sure. So I think this game, say what you want about uh, Joe Flacco, who played really well last week in the win against the Dolphins. It's really going to come down to Patriots offensive line and Tom Brady moving in the pocket if he needs to. um, And that Baltimore Ravens run defense. Those two factors, I think, are going to be the biggest indicators of who's going to win this game. And what is your prediction? Who will win tonight's game? I think the Patriots will win just because they're so, so good at home. Um, and although Joe Flacco has played better of late, um, and this is not the best Patriots defense that Bill Belichick's had over the last couple of years. It actually, the um, New England defense over the past few years has actually become um, a pretty big strength of the team. But I just I, I don't see enough firepower on the Ravens side of it. I don't think it's going to be you know, 38-31. I think it's going to be a little bit more low scoring. And I do think um, because of that defensive line, you're going to see a lot of Tom Brady getting the ball out quickly to the guys in space, Amendola, Edelman, James White, those kind of players. Um, There's no Rob Gronkowski, which that's obviously huge, but I think because of that and because Belichick knows that, Hey, I don't want this really good defensive front to, to really fluster Brady. Let's get the ball out quickly. Let's block well on the outside on those bubble screens. Um, and I, I think the Patriots just at home at this time of the year, they're always so good. Um, and I think they'll win a game by, you know, something like 17, 13 close game. Cause these teams do know each other. Um, and the Ravens really are the team that has played the Patriots the best over the last five to 10 years. But I think, the Patriots at home are just a slightly better team at this point. He's Chris Trapasso, ladies and gentlemen, editor of BuffaloRumblings.com, also the homepage editor of NFL.com. Find him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso. That is T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O. And uh, one final uh, question about tonight's game. Uh, Martellus Bennett, uh, whenever Gronk hasn't played this year, the Patriots have kind of a uh, in a weird way, reduced him to the role of just a blocker. Yes, he's a fantastic blocking tight end, but you also have to take advantage of his skill set in the red zone because he's a mismatch nightmare as well. He's obviously not as a transcendent a figure as Rob Gronkowski is, but he's a freak athlete himself. So do you expect the Patriots to involve Martellus Bennett more in the passing game tonight, especially in the red zone? Yeah, I think so. I mean, obviously no one can replace Rob Gronkowski or kind of replicate his production but you're totally right when you look at the size the athleticism they are somewhat similar so I think um, you will see on first down to start a drive Martellus Bennett blocking but I do think when you get into the red zone um, where everything's kind of condensed and there's not as much room don't be surprised if you see either just a fade up to Martellus Bennett or just a route where he runs in front of a linebacker or safety and just kind of boxes him out, kind of a la uh, Rob Gronkowski. Um, I don't think you're going to see 8 to 12 targets like we've seen uh, Gronkowski get, but I do think that 
um, he is the kind of guy that can somewhat fill that role. And I think, although he hasn't been great the last couple of weeks, we will tonight see the Patriots kind of get him utilized in the passing game a little bit more. Yes, and they're going to have to um, get him involved, in my opinion. Way too talented not to get involved. And now let's uh, focus on uh, two quarterbacks who, in my opinion, are MVP contenders. However, one took a big step forward this week. That's Matthew Stafford with his incredible uh, last-minute touchdown run against the Bears, which sealed the, the victory for the Lions yesterday. And Derek Carr, who... Had, which had an otherworldly season up until uh, last Thursday when the Kansas City Chiefs defense uh, limited him and his Raiders to just 13 points. But both of them have one thing in common. They're both dealing with hand injuries. It's apparent that Derek Carr's uh, pinky injury is still bothering him to a certain degree, I personally believe. And also Stafford, he um, fractured um, and tore ligaments in his um, – middle finger on his throwing hand yesterday, as Adam Schefter initially uh, reported. Um, and, but my question is to you is um, how, uh, uh, first of all, do you think uh, Derek Carr is, is more seriously hurt than the Raiders are letting on right now? It kind of looked that way on Thursday night. Um, I don't think so. I think um, it's probably an issue, but I think more so, um, why we saw him play so, you know, uncharacteristically bad. He had a, you know, all-time bad performance um, against the Chiefs was one. He was playing a really good Chiefs defense. That's that's for some reason always underrated. And it was absolutely freezing in Kansas City. Um, th- there could be a lot of, you know, circulation problems that that it's just hard to get a lot of that blood flow into that hand. And then if there's some pain there, um, it was windy. So I I think if we see him have another performance like that. Um, down the stretch, then you could be a little bit worried. But I think right now, with how how big of a, a a lead, so to speak, that the Raiders got out to, you know, getting to ten wins, if there really was something wrong with Derek Carr, I think they wouldn't be, you know, afraid to sit him for a game or for two games, um, and just try to win with their defense. That's gotten a lot better with Khalil Mack having an MVP type season or at least a Defensive Player of the Year type. season season, um, running the football with that offensive line with Latavius Murray, Jalen Richard. Um, so I think the fact that they, they, that they haven't made any indication that they're going to sit Derek Carr, I, I think it's not that big of a deal. And I think it was just more so playing a rival on the road in a, you know, on a blustery, uh, really, really cold night. And that's probably more so why we saw him have not a good game whatsoever on Thursday. As I mentioned, Matthew Stafford suffered a fracture and torn ligaments in the middle finger on his throwing hand. Um, do you, how do you think that'll impact him uh, going forward? I think this one to me seems a little bit more worrisome just because you read those words, torn ligaments. Um, I don't know if we ever heard that about Carr, that, that he just, I think, dislocated it and um, came right back in when he played or when he first suffered that injury. Um, I'm not expecting Matthew Stafford to come out and, and, and be a bottom five quarterback uh, you know, down the stretch. But I think um, they have some really important games coming up um, at the New York Giants, at the Cowboys, um, home against the Packers. Will we may, yeah, will we maybe see Matthew Stafford not throwing the ball as much potentially? But I just think he is a tough, gritty quarterback who's was injured a lot early in his career, very early. Um, 
and since then he's been pretty much an Iron Man. He's played uh, sixteen or from 2011 all the way to 2015. He he started every single game for the Lions. Took a lot of hits. Got sacked a lot. Um, I think, and just with his arm, is he maybe you know could this maybe affect his arm strength? I don't know. Maybe a little bit. But, you know, he has the biggest arm in the NFL, and he's a tough guy. And after a lot of issues in his career, he's having the best season of his career. The Lions are leading the, leading the division, which is something that would, that just hasn't happened in a long, long time. So I don't think we're going to see a huge drop-off from Matt Stafford. Um, although, you know, against the uh, Bears, it was his worst game of the year. So it is worth monitoring. I'm a little bit more concerned with Matt Stafford than I am with Derek Carr, but I think overall both quarterbacks, just because of their top-level skill sets, I think they'll be fine. I most certainly hope so as well, especially since both of them, in my opinion, deserve to be amongst the front runners for league MVP uh, this season. And now um, uh, let's move on to the final portion of today's program, and we and let's talk about the playoff picture. Currently, if the 2016 season ended today, the playoffs would look like the following. The Patriots would have the one seed in the AFC, followed by the Kansas City Chiefs at number two. The Pittsburgh Steelers would have the number three seed, and they will stay in that seed if the Ravens uh, lose to the um, uh, Patriots tonight. And the Houston Texans would uh, squeak by uh, in the weak uh, AFC South as the number four seed. The fifth seed would be the Oakland Raiders, and the sixth seed would be the defending Super Bowl champion uh, Denver Broncos, and that sixth seed will still be theirs if Baltimore loses to the Patriots tonight. In uh, the NFC, meanwhile, the Dallas Cowboys are still in the driver's seat. Uh, and the Detroit Lions, because of their win against the Bears and the Seahawks loss against the Packers yesterday, are now the second seed. Seahawks, third seed. Atlanta Falcons, fourth seed. Giants, fifth seed. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, uh, sixth seed. Do you see the Steelers missing the playoffs or not? I, I personally think that would be a tragedy for the NFL if the, the, that talented team, uh, who's getting pretty hot right now, uh, uh, didn't get in the playoffs. Do you think the Steelers get in? Yeah, I think they get in. Um, I think they're probably going to win the NFC North or the AFC North. Excuse me. Um, their defense has been playing lights out during their five-game winning streak. Um, since week ten, they're they're tops in the league in a lot of major categories. Um, this is not the most. Uh, this is not a Steelers defense that has. The, the big household names, the Troy Palomalu types. Um, but James Harrison at 37 is still a pretty good pass rusher. Stefan Tuitt has become one of the better interior defensive linemen, and he can kind of play anywhere. Bud Dupree hasn't really blossomed in, into the uh, top-level pass rusher that they probably wish that they were getting when they picked him in the first round two years ago. Um, but he's serviceable. Ryan Shazier just flies all over the field. He's pretty much a safety in a linebacker's body, just so, so quick. Um, he's quick, and he's just fast in a straight line. The secondary, Ross Cockrell, William Gay, are playing both playing really, really well. Um, and then you obviously have the Le'Veon Bell-led um, offense, Ben Roethlisberger's there, Antonio Brown. Um, so I, I think that – I don't know if they're going to win their last 10 games of the year, but I think – They'll get to at least ten and six if they, you know, don't ride a long winning streak all the way to the playoffs. Um, I just think that they've they had some injuries uh, earlier in the season. Le'Veon Bell was suspended, obviously earlier, um, but they've really rounded in into form. Their offensive line's playing really well. David DeCastro has really become that um, elite guard that we all thought he was going to be coming out of Stanford just after a really decorated career there. Um, so I think. 
yeah, that that they are a scary team, especially when you you know look at Ben Roethlisberger and his experience in the playoffs. Obviously, he has a two Super Bowl rings, um, and their defense, which had been an issue over the last three or four years, has really rounded into form and become one of the better groups in the AFC. So I do think they get in, and and, and I think that'll be by way of winning the AFC North. Sounds good. Uh, it would uh, definitely be fun to have the Steelers at full strength in the playoffs this year, given the um, uh, uh, all-pro talent on that team. And now let's go on to the sixth seed, the MC. And the sixth seed is up for grabs right now. Yes, uh, my favorite team, the Super Bowl champion, Denver Broncos, currently occupy the sixth seed. But if you look at their remaining schedule, next week at home against the Patriots, that Christmas night showdown with the Chiefs and Arrowhead, and the Chiefs, I believe, are going to wind up the winners of the AFC uh, West division this year, as of right now. And uh, and they conclude at home against the Oakland Raiders, who will be in a battle for the AFC West until the very end, I believe. So if it's at I per, and because of the Broncos weaknesses on offense, especially their inability to run the football on offense that and stop the raw defense, that is going to be what keeps them from the playoffs this year. In my opinion, who do you see getting that sixth seed? If not the Broncos, then who? Man, this is tough. I was just going to say that, that we're, we only have three games left for all the teams besides the two that are playing tonight. And I think especially in the AFC, we are a long way from finding out who that number six seed is going to be. Like you mentioned, the AFC West has to play each other a bunch of times down the stretch. The Patriots are injected in there. Um, The uh, Broncos losing to the Titans really opened that up. I think the Dolphins could sneak in. They have to play in Buffalo. They have to play the Patriots. Um, It's really hard to say right now. I think... The Ravens could could potentially sneak in, um, but they do play the Steelers. I think we were all thinking that with with how the Raiders and how the Chiefs were playing earlier in the year and the Broncos that the AFC West was a shoe in to get three teams. They were probably gonna, you know, the sixth seed was probably gonna be ten and six or even eleven and five. It was just that good. Some of those teams, the Raiders and of late the Broncos, have come back to earth a little bit. Um, I think if Ryan Tannehill didn't get hurt. And there was news today that obviously he he didn't fully tear his ACL and his MCL, but he's sprained it, which is kind of like a partial tear. Um, Adam Gay said, you know, week 17 isn't totally out of the question, but and maybe if they make the playoffs, he could play for that. But that would be a stretch. If Ryan Tannehill didn't get hurt, I would pick the Dolphins as a team that I think um, would make that succeed. But I think it's it's really hard it's really hard uh to tell right now and i think it's it's almost like a coin flip between the dolphins the broncos even the titans um oh yeah that that they're a team that that is really flying under the radar and it's and and kind of like we suspected earlier in the year um with the afc west getting you know oh yeah you know that division is going to get three teams uh in the playoffs but i think it was kind of the same thought or the same logic, but on the opposite end of it with it, with the AFC South, they'll get one team in that'll win the division. they will be seven and nine or eight and eight. And that'll be it. The Titans have won two in a row, three of their last four. Um, they, they don't have the easiest schedule down the stretch. They play at Kansas city next week, but then they play at Jacksonville and home against the Houston Texans. So it could be, I mean, it's, it's, it, it could be a tougher schedule. I think obviously next week in Arrowhead, it's going to be a really, really physical game. Um, a, a lot of running in that game, two really good offensive lines, two good uh, defensive lines, good running games. Uh, quarterbacks should make a ton of mistakes. 
Um, so the Titans are the team to me that I think still, even after beating the Broncos at home, which is one of their biggest regular season wins in a while, they're still flying under the radar. And, and although there's only three games left, there's just so much that could happen um, just with a lot of these teams that are either in the sixth spot or really close. They have tough schedules down the stretch. So I would watch out for the Titans um, that I think their formula kind of uh, is what you want to have when you're playing in cold weather, windy, snowy games down the stretch. Oh, I completely agree about the uh, Tennessee Titans with that exotic smash mouth uh, uh, scheme. Uh, Marcus Mariota has taken his play to a high level this year. DeMarco Murray is playing like the guy that more like the guy we saw in 2014 than the guy we saw last season. And, uh, and, and that's a team on the rise and they could still very well win in my opinion, the AFC South, because if it comes down to, and heck that game against the Texans at Nissan stadium in week 17 could very well determine who wins that division in that game. Yeah, totally. And I think it's been so weird watching the Houston Texans this year that when they're not playing a team in, in their division, they literally have looked like a, a team that should be picking in the top five of the draft, but they've they're four and zero in the division now. They they I don't know if they just play up to their you know rivals that they know really well. Um, so that game very well and actually probably will determine who wins the AFC South. Yes, yeah, so and that I my prediction that will be the uh, Sunday night football game for Week uh, Seventeen if uh, all goes as expected for both of those teams uh, the next couple weeks. And now let's uh, concentrate some more on the NFC. Yes, the Cowboys are st- still have the number one seed, but if you look at their next two games, like I alluded to earlier in the program, even though they're at home, they're against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are red hot and the Detroit Lions who are uh, red hot. So there's still a possibility that they could fall out of that first seed. And if the Cowboys are to fall out of that first seed, who do you think overtakes them? The Lions or the Seahawks? Who's more likely to overtake them? That's a good question. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, the Lions certainly do not have the easiest schedule down the stretch, um, but they do get the Cowboys. So if they are going to catch them, they they probably have the best shot just because they have that head-to-head game. Um, But Again, the Cowboys do still have a two-game lead to get the first seed. They've already clinched um, a playoff spot. They're the first and only team to do that so far. So I think it will probably be the Lions just because they would have that game against the Cowboys. Um, and any of the other teams um, are, are, are two full games uh, back of Dallas at this point. Yep, that would be an interesting thing to watch. And another uh, um, scenario in the NFC that might be, dare I say, a long shot of happening, but you obviously can't rule him out because he's Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers, after being uh, questioned uh, through most of the first half of the season, asking, oh, does he even have it anymore? Is, uh, Is he way past his prime? He's proved all of us wrong. He definitely still has it. It was playing like the Aaron Rodgers we all know him to be. And the Packers are on a tear. And they're going to have to run the table and they're going to have to get a lot of help. But what, but I think there's still some hope given the way they're playing and the tough schedules for the giants and the bucks alike. So, um, do you see the Packers getting in and what are the odds? Do you see the Packers sneaking in to the playoffs? I could sneak in, honestly. I mean, when you look at, um, the Giants have obviously played really well of late, same with the Buccaneers, but like you mentioned, if you're just looking at schedules, and obviously anything can happen in the NFL, it's, games are not played and, and won and lost on paper, but the Packers go to Chicago next week, which 
the uh, obviously the Bears played pretty well against the uh, Lions. They're winning in the fourth quarter on the road, but it's a team that's probably going to pick in the top three, top five of the draft. Then they get the Vikings, a team that just does not look like at all like the team that we saw in September and in early October. They get them at home, and then they end at, at Detroit in a game that could and probably will be a shootout. And I totally agree with you that that Aaron Rodgers has really silenced all the critics, including myself. He He's thrown... 10 touchdowns and no interceptions over his last four games. Um, he has three straight games with a uh, QB rating above 108. Um, he's just really looked like, you know, middle of his prime MVP type um, Aaron Rodgers. And the defense has gotten way better. We saw some of those games that uh, the Packers were just getting embarrassed in their secondary. They still have a lot of injuries, but um, they're getting those turnovers now. They're They're not – you know, completely porous on the defensive side at this point. Um, so I think it's not going to be easy, but when you look at their schedule, they probably have one of the easier schedules among the teams in that five seed, six seed to in the hunt range. Um, and like you mentioned, and like I, I totally agree with you, Aaron Rodgers can has proven and that he can carry a team to a four, five, six, seven game winning streak if they need to down the stretch. I, I completely agree. And uh, for our final question of the uh, program, by the way, he's Chris Trapasso, ladies and gentlemen, editor-in-chief, buffalorumblings.com, also the NFL.com homepage editor. Follow him at, on Twitter at Chris Trapasso, T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O. And uh, to conclude, um, uh, how do you see the final uh, two seeds in the um, NFC shaping out? For the final two seeds in the NFC, it's it's kind of similar to what I was saying earlier, that although there's only three games and, and we kind of get locked into the teams that are currently in the five spot and the sixth spot and think that they're going to stay there, there's so much more football to be played. A lot of uh, games within the division, which I think is a great part of the NFL schedule, uh, especially in Week 17 where there's all division games. That's just going to be awesome. Um, I think – if I have to guess, and, and this is not easy, um, I would say the the Buccaneers and the Packers, to me, are two teams that have good quarterbacks, defenses that are playing really well. Certainly Giants fans, if there are any listening to this, um, would not be happy with that. But I think that game in Philadelphia, although the um, Eagles are 5-8, and eight, they haven't really played that well uh, after getting out to such a hot start. I just think that that's a really bad matchup for the Giants. Uh, we saw Eric Flowers... Um, the Giants offensive lineman just get abused repeatedly last night. Um, he's I not think, a tackle. Yeah, he's not. He's a guard. Um, that 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 Eagles defensive front, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, they really get after it. And I just think that game in Philadelphia late in the year, that'll kind of be a playoff atmosphere, especially for the Eagles fans. So uh, I, I think the Buccaneers – will hold serve. I don't know if they'll be the sixth seed or the five seed, but I, th- I do think that the Packers could either win out or win two of their last three and sneak in as either the five seed or the six seed in the NFC. Thank you very much, Chris Trapasso, for joining us today. And we appreciate your amazing football mind and your insightful analysis. Um, I could just go on and on about you. You're just a... Uh, you're just an amazing foot, uh, foot source of football knowledge, Chris, and we definitely hope to have you on the show many times down the road. Thank you very much for joining us again today. Thank you, Dave. 
Chris Trapasso, ladies and gentlemen, editor-in-chief of BuffaloRumblings.com, the Buffalo Bills SB Nation fan page, and also the homepage editor of NFL.com. And you could also follow him on Twitter at Chris Trapasso, T-R-A-P-A-S-S-O, and catch his insightful football analysis on all things. And it's not just during the playing season, it's during the non-playing season. When it comes to the draft, you'll find very few other minds like Chris uh, to follow on Twitter for his uh, input on uh, the upcoming NFL draft class. So that does it for today for um, uh, Chris Trapasso and our producer, Chris Brodhead. I am David Cromwell saying so long, everybody, and stay awesome.